Powered by Go Goat Sports in partnership with TSN is episode 58, season four of the Rain Rigs Hockey Podcast. And it is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. All right, Chris Abbott from Botano.ca is going to join us a little bit later as he does on each and every podcast because the betting lines are interesting now, right? As each series is underway. And there are so many different formulas that you can uh, peruse on Botano.ca. And some of it is tricky. So we'll get him to kind of take us through the workings of what's the best way to, to bet because you can bet on the length of the series. You can look through all of that on Botano.ca. First of all, let's check out headlines. And, you know, before we kind of get into each series, your thoughts on the Michael Bunting three-game suspension for the clip on Eric Turnack at the Tampa Bay Lightning. And frankly, Ray, I'm okay with it because it sends a real strong message by the Department of Player Safety. I, I felt like Bunting deserved two. I wouldn't have been surprised if he had just received the one game, but it feels like he got the one game because Chernak is legitimately injured and two games because it was a dangerous play. It was a dirty hit. Well, I, okay, so I was doing the game and I think part of this, I mean, I don't know this and maybe, maybe I should or should have called or whatever, but earlier in the game, there was an icing penalty or an icing call and Chernak knocked bunting off his feet now bunting dove and sold the play and he drew a penalty which he does effectively and quite frequently and that felt like a little bit of retribution you know in the game moment i thought it was a cheap hit i thought it was dirty and i think there was zero chance it was not intentional so i thought the three games i thought the three games was right i don't i've never bought this uh a game in the regular season or a game in the playoffs is worth a game and a half or two in the regular season. I know it factors in because the games are so meaningful, but there are more plays that are closer to the line in the playoffs than there are in the regular season. I mean, that's that's right across the board. We're going to talk at least about two more before we get through this, but the three games was, first of all, the penalty itself when it's called as a five-minute major, that gives the officials the chance to review it. So it's not just one ref looking at the play anymore. It's now multiple people looking at the same play and deciding is that two or five. And so I think that's important in the in the context of the game penalty. And then player safety, I, I mean, it's become this thing that you just talk about, but people don't understand what it is, I don't think. And that's it's not George Peros. It's multiple people that look at the video from all the angles that the NHL has, and then they all throw their opinion in to Peros, and then he makes that decision. So it's not just one guy that's saying, oh, two games, three games. And I know some media guys are like, oh, they spin the wheel of justice. And drives me crazy. Ridiculous. It's, It's a lazy narrative, and that's not what happens. And I know Leaf fans are pissed, but their players shouldn't have done it, number one. And number two is, what would they have thought if that puck was going into the zone, into the Toronto zone, and TJ Brody was going back for the puck, and I don't know, pick a player, Brandon Hagel had done the same thing. Would they have said it's no suspension? Would they have said it's one game? No, they would have wanted more. And that's why I think it's the right suspension. All right. How does Toronto respond? Because there's opportunity here, right? I mean, Eric Turnack is a big part of that Tampa Bay blue line. The expectation is Victor Hedman is going to play in game two, but he missed two periods, the better part of two periods of of game one. So you know he can't be 100%. So 
it's obvious they have to play better than they did in the opening game of the series, but how do they execute that? And do you think that they will execute and even the series? I think it's virtually impossible for the Leafs to play worse than they did in game one. They look like the Keystone Cops out there. There's one play halfway through the first period, Jake McCabe and Morgan Riley are out on the ice together and they're going to make a D exchange. Like McCabe's going to give it to Riley, but Riley thinks he's going to skate with it and they run into each other. And you're like, what are they doing? Like, I think they were so discombobulated in game one. I thought they lacked composure. I think they lost composure early with the Belmar goal 70 seconds into the series. I thought their bench lost composure and they were scrambling around. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, I think, came with this great expectation or enthusiasm for the team and also the thought that Tampa maybe is taking a step back. Like, I think there was all of that right, right sitting in game one and it went wrong and it went wrong fast. And I think they will play much better in game two. I'd be, honestly, Dregs, I'll be shocked if they don't. I think it's the right lineup to separate Tavares and, and O'Reilly. They, mm-hmm. the, the more I, you know, not the more, it hasn't happened much, but when, when they're together, they're not very fast. Like Tavares and O'Reilly aren't, aren't very quick. I like Tavares in the middle of the ice better than I like him on the wing for a number of reasons. And so now you spread it out. Now Matthew Nyes comes in and I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, that's that's a crapshoot, right? The kid might be great. Might be great. Might not be. But um, I, I, do, I do think they will play much, much better in game one. But my worry from a Toronto standpoint is you play a great game and lose 3-2 because Vasilevsky makes 48 saves. That would be my concern. That would be my biggest concern. Because I, if I'm a Leaf fan or player or coach, I'm pretty confident my team's going to be better in game two. All right, let's flip to the Florida-Boston series. You did that game last night. Man, I mean, that was a wild one, right? Yeah. In Florida. Florida absolutely took over late in the game, third period. But the Bruins didn't, without Patrice Bergeron, they didn't, he didn't play game one and they were effective. They did everything they wanted to do in game one. So how much of game two is about what Florida did as opposed to what the Boston Bruins maybe didn't have in game two that they had in game one. Well, we just go back to the Leaf or compare it to the Leaf series. So one of one of Florida's best players, I think one of the better all-around players in the league is, is Alexander Barkov. And he was a ghost in game one. 20 minutes, no shots, nothing happened when he was on the ice. So in game two, he was awesome. Fantastic. So that's just the difference from game one to game two. Also in game one to game two, Sam Bennett came back. That made a big difference in the Florida lineup. Paul Maurice made an adjustment. The Barkoff line with Verhage and Duclair, they they couldn't even get out of their zone. And they flipped all the lines around, and Florida had a lot more energy. I thought Boston, for two periods, played pretty well, and Florida counterpunched really well. And so it's 2-2. The Marchand shorthanded goal, uh, you know, made it 1-1, and then they got that goofy power play goal off Bertuzzi's foot to tie it up. But Brandon Montour's had a hell of a year. He got two goals in the third. But that started, here's the thing, Boston's third period goal differential was like plus 58. Florida's is minus eight. (laughs) And last night, it didn't matter. The playoffs, they we say it all the time, and it's cheesy, and I don't know. It's like something you spit out all the time, but it is different. And they they got the couple goals in the to make it 4-2, and it was over. Florida dominated the face-off spot, and I think that matters. Penalty killing, power play, they got two goals right off face-offs. 
And with Berger on there, that probably doesn't happen as much. So again, if he comes back though, he got hurt in the last game in Montreal, an upper body injury of some sort. And, you know, he didn't play game one. So I wasn't surprised he didn't play game two. They didn't, you know, they had the one game lead and they probably thought they were okay, but I'd be shocked really if he's not in game three. I mean, hindsight is what it is, but it makes you wonder about load management, right? And whether or not, you know, Jim Montgomery and the Boston Bruins should have sat a couple of those guys in that game against Montgomery. Right. Well, yeah, of course you can always, you can always say (laughs) that. Hindsight. Yeah. The the other question for Boston will be, do they go to Linus Olmark, who was not very good in game two, or do they switch to Jeremy Swayman? Not many teams have that luxury to think about. But I think it's at least one they'll ponder. The other is sure. whether Matt Greslick gets in the lineup um, on the blue line. So how about this? You have a year, you have your plus 48, and you sit out the first two games. <laughs> tough lineup, man. That's a tough one. Yeah. Right? Oh, boy. Oilers in Los Angeles. Crucial win for the Edmonton Oilers. Again, that's right. captain obvious here. Leon Dreisaitl, dominant, I think, in both games. Yeah. Certainly last night. I mean, you want to talk about swagger. Not just a one-timer on the power play and the points that, you know, he's now at least in a tie for the lead through a couple of games here with with five points. But just how dialed in he is. There was a bit of an exchange with a King's bench where, man, he's just wired. Like, he's he's just got an edge to him right now that is matching his ridiculous skill set, which sort of overshadows, doesn't it, or makes it acceptable that Connor McDavid Hasn't done much offensively. Doesn't mean he's not playing well. He just hasn't done much because he's such a focus of the LA Kings defense. Uh, it's way more surprising to me that McDavid doesn't have any points that Dry- Ben Dreisaitl has five. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think Dreisaitl is so good. Um, when I, I did three Oiler games in the last month and watching Leon live is is you know considerably different than watching him on television. And what impressed me was how much better, more powerful, and more agile he is on his feet. Like, he's a big, big man. And, he is a big dude. And when when he stops and pivots in a little cycle, he now pulls away from people. It's not just his size separating him. Like, he's, he's able to do uh, things that I don't think he could do a couple of years ago, and he is so good. And he has got, he knows, he knows he's good. And I love it. I love it. And that's a that's a real problem for the Kings to deal with both of them. Yet they've got one win. It did I was sitting with John Garrett and John Shorthouse last night. They did the game for Sportsnet, so it's great to catch up. I saw a little bit of uh Garrett's post game meal selections, oh. which anyway, you know, <laughs> the guy they're like they don't even phase. He's like, you know, ketchup, uh, chicken tenders. He's like or eating with a eleven year old. Exactly. Uh, and so uh we're looking, we're like, look at the shots. They're like 24 to eight. And I go, ah, that is, I said, hockey's so weird anyway. I said, the LA will probably score. 30 seconds later, it's 2-1. So then we go back and we're like, oh, we're kind of, you know, talking away. And he goes, oh, they got another one. Now it's 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> it, it seemed like the same game as game it one. Did. Yeah, there was a bit of nervousness in Oilers Nation. I, I would stretch. say, Drake's the best part of that or the difference of that was there was an intermission at 2-2 as opposed to the third period just you know reset noise yeah yeah Yeah. and so uh that's going to be a good series still i mean it is good and it's going to be good okay quick thought on minnesota and dallas Uh, i mean again in our in our preview early in the week we identified that series as probably the most likely series to get fugly right to get 
really nasty. And it's certainly seen, we've seen elements of that. I mean, misconducts were being handed out near the end of the game, left, right, and center, which is fine. That's, you know, that's the officials managing so things don't get out of hand. We're big fans of Marc-Andre Fleury. We just are. I loved his post-game accountability there, right? Because he looked back to the, the game that Gustafson had in goal in game one and how solid he was. And that was his level of disappointment giving up seven to the Dallas Stars in game two was that he couldn't follow up what Gustafson did the game previous. Yeah. Like talk about a player, an experienced man with a Hall of Fame playing resume who's like, you know what, I didn't do my job and I'm disappointed that I didn't help my team and I didn't help my goalie partner. Yeah, he, you know, so talk about the decision to go to Flurry in game two. I did hate it. And the reason I didn't was the length of the game and the number of shots that Gustafson faced in game one. You've gotten your game on the road. Gustafson will certainly start game three. Um, so I didn't, didn't really have a problem with it. I, I thought Dallas responded in a way uh, that made me take notice. You know, they, they lose Joe Pavelski in game one. They come out, they throw a seven spot on the board. Rupe, Rupe Hintz is a hell of a player, man. He is big and fast and uh, five points. He's yeah. a he's a tough guy to he's a tough guy to manage because of the combination of his speed and size. It really is. And you know that that series is they're, they're, I'd like to be the team that plays the winner of that series because somebody's coming out of there limping around. Like that's yeah. that's that's got a lot of hockey left and a lot of physical hockey left. Okay, back to the East, Carolina and the New York Islanders. So the Hurricanes give up what? I guess it was three, but then they get the overtime winner. Terrific pass by um, Jordan Hall to Jordan Stahl. Jesper Jordan Foss. Stahl. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Jordan. No, I don't know. Where, where did that Stahl go? Was, Taylor Hall. Yeah, I don't know. Where, that's yeah. a weird one. Yeah. So Jordan Stahl with a nice sauce pass. Now, what do you think of the play? Should have there been a call on Mayfield just before that? Or I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's in overtime. Are we getting a little ticky-tacky with that kind of stuff? I, I don't I don't even know what to say because I'm watching the games and I, I'm watching them in a in a different way because I think yeah. o- over the last two years, there's been way more penalties called in the playoffs than there has been previously. And I think the refs, by a large margin, have done a really good job of continuing the standard of calls that they have in the regular season. There is a little leeway, it seems like always, but there's not as much as there was in the past. So I think when there is a play like you're talking about, it stands out a little more. Yeah. So yes, sure, it could have been a penalty. Yeah. But uh, it was kind of an odd, odd shot that beat Sorokin. It was uh, odd. You yeah. know, he was a little flat in the net, not out squared up. If the Islanders are going to win, unfortunately, he can't give up four goals like it he yeah. just can't yeah yeah again not not to go after officiating but rod brindamore was hot after that yeah. game even though they win the game in overtime and he feels that they obviously missed the Pajot's slash on teravinen and problematic because teravinen's having you know he's gonna have surgery today as we record yeah. this on thursday so that takes another carolina hurricanes forward out of the mix so you know double whammy for brindamore right miss yeah. call and then another key player, he's not going to have access. To. Uh, for sure, it was a pe- it's a penalty that should be called and needs to be called. It's called all the time, and it wasn't yeah. called there. Uh, you know, he breaks his hand or thumb or whatever it is on the slash, and it's another loss, as you mentioned, yeah. for, 
for Carolina. Here's here's one thing I think I would, if I were a manager of a team, I would want to sit down with the players on their exit meetings and with their equipment. And I, I'm not even kidding, Drake. And I would say, hey, guys, like, look, we've lost, the NHL lost X number of games this year to guys with broken hands. The, guy, the players' gloves now are like mittens. They're so small and they're so light. I want to make sure that everybody's protected. Now, you're still going to have injuries. I'm not, I'm not saying that Tara Vinan broke his hand because his gloves don't protect him. What I'm saying is, are they protective enough? And can you make a protective step without changing the comfort that the players want to feel in their gloves? And that's on the managers, you're saying. Deliver the message that yep. on this team, you're going to protect yourself. We need to make sure you're in the best glove you can have. Now, I'm not saying you need to change your brand. Everybody likes their no. brand, but can we go to a longer cuff? Can we have a little more protection around the thumb or on the back of the hand? And just take a look at them. Like, have a discussion. Yeah. There's no there's no need to try and jam this down every player's throat. It's like, let's have a conversation. I know you're comfortable with the gloves because you wear them, but we lose players every year to broken sh- broken hands with a block shot, a slash. Yeah. Can we protect ourselves better? That's all. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. All right, let's wrap up headlines, Ray. Maybe a quick thought on each of the series tonight. You've got the Devils, the Rangers, the Jets, the Golden Knights, Seattle, Colorado. So let's start in the East with the Devils and the Rangers. I think the, I think the Devils will play much better. That looked like a nervous, young, jittery team against a veteran, rock-solid group in Game 1. And before the Devils turned around, they're down to nothing. Now they're running around like their hair's on fire and, you know, and the game's gone. I think they'll play better. Um, I think they'll challenge more with their speed than they did in the first game. That would be my thought there. Next one is oh, Toronto-Tampa. We said that I think Toronto will be better. I th- the Chernak loss is a big one for them. Um, and whatever Hedman's level of effectiveness is will be will be crucial to that. But I think Toronto will will play better. I think Colorado will play better. But man, Seattle was impressive. They really were. That was not a. <laughs> that was not a. Oh gee, I can't believe they won game. That was a. I, impressive I'm kind game. of embarrassed to say. I was. I was surprised. I did not expect that level of push from. Seattle in game one. I, I just, I mean, there, as you said the other day, there's a group of experienced players there, right? I yeah. mean, that's part of making a, an expansion team. But man, full credit to Dave Hackstall and obviously yeah. to the players because they delivered in that game. Yeah. I, I was really impressed. I, yeah. I think Colorado will really, really push here. Um, okay. you know, as we talk about, you know, you've lost one game at home and the desperation to not lose two. And that, yeah. you know, I, I think that gives you a little bit of an edge and that takes us to, to Vegas and it really feels like Vegas has to like not just play well but they they really of all the teams they really have to win tonight like I mm-hmm. I thought they got they got shoved around they got outplayed they got they got beat pretty soundly in game one and they needed for their own psyche I think as well as the series makeup but they needed for their own psyche talk about Winnipeg for just a moment here because Winnipeg got everything they needed out of players that they need to get things out of, right? You know, Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Blake Wheeler scored a goal. Adam Lowry was there late in the game. Big night by Connor Hellebuck, although, you know, he wasn't overly tested. But if all of those elements, those components are working in Winnipeg's favor, 
they're a real tough team. Well, we talked, um, was that, I don't know, when did we talk? Monday? Yeah, I guess it Monday. was. Monday, yeah. yeah. Uh, just about the Jets of all the teams in the playoffs had that feel of, oh, they found it. I mean, the Oilers had played so well for so long. The Jets had played so poorly for so long, and then they and then they got it. And it really felt like, oh, they found it yeah. right before the playoffs. And certainly game one looked a lot like that. All right, those are your headlines. Hi, it's Ray Ferraro. You've probably heard me talking about my friends at North Beach Agency and Craft Growth. They provide customized marketing solutions tailored to help grow businesses of all sizes. From results-driven marketing across TV, radio, and podcasts to websites, digital, social, out-of-home, and everything in between, they have the proven expertise to get the measurable results you need to get your business growing. You can visit craftgrowth.net and book your free business growth consultation now. That's craftgrowth.net. All right, Ray, one of our favorite parts of the Rain Drakes Hockey Podcast, the opportunity to check in with our pal Chris Abbott, a presentation of Botano.ca, now available in Ontario. And remember, Botano says the game starts now. Didn't start on time, Abs, as you somewhat predicted for the Toronto Maple Leafs in game one against Tampa Lightning. You're going to walk us through why now is a good time to put a little do-re-mi on the Toronto Maple Leafs as they prepare for game two. Yeah, I mean, as much as I, I stick into my Tampa bet, the first thing that happened was my buddy sent me a message. He goes, well, you better you better hedge with the Leafs now. <laughs> and and hedging, obviously, just means you could win whoever wins. You'd win less profit. But right now, the Leafs are plus 120 to win the series. They were minus 161, I think, last time we chatted. So, you know, and sometimes we get too far ahead. Minus 161 means you need to bet $161 to win 100. Plus 120 means if you bet 100, you'll win another 120. So, or or any fraction of those. Right. So, what we saw in the, in the game twos last night, I mean, you never say do or die, but you don't want to go down two games to none on home ice, right? And I think that's, the, there's something to that urgency. There's something to that desperation. So if you if you do think that the Leafs were going to win the series before it started, and we talked about it, six games, seven games, five games, whatever. Well, when that happens, the other team does have to win a game or two here and there. So they just so happen to win it off the bat. So if you're a Leafs fan and you're you're him and Han on the fence, I mean, now is as good a time as any to get in on them because if they go down two games, you're not betting them then, right? So this is probably the best price you're going to get for Toronto. Would you would you find series. in in some of the other ones? Would you did any anything else step out at you out of the out of the first two games, we've got, what, uh, four of the series that are through the first series of home games. Yeah, so we talked about, or I just talked about, you know, the desperation that teams would feel in game two. And obviously, you know, Florida played with the Bruins in game one. They come up with a big win in game two. Now they have home ice advantage. And they're still a sizable underdog in the series. Like the Bruins are still minus 250 to win the series, which means, as we said, you got to bet 250 to win 100. And then Florida sitting at two to one underdog still. And it's a race to race to three more games now. Obviously, there's a reason Boston's the favorite here, but I don't think that. And Ray, you've had a, a very up close and personal <laughs> view of this. It's it's not a minus two fifty runaway. No, I, or, or, or are we missing something? I still don't see a way that Florida is going to win the series because I I just don't think Boston's played very well. They'll get Bergeron back, I would suspect, in Game Three. It didn't. It didn't really seem to be a lot of urgency to get him back for the second game. You know, they're up one nothing. But you mentioned no. something, Abs, uh, just before we came to air about there's another way you could bet the Panthers. 
and that's the number of games they win in the series. And as soon as you said that, I went, oh, I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we talk about betting the spread in a game, right? A football game or a basketball game normally, but you can bet the series spread. So Florida to to push this two seven games minus one sixty one, or they win it, right? So it gives is there a number? A is there a number a, to six? You know, kind of a relief valve there to win. Yeah, to win one more to, game, to make it to six games. Um, well, total games in series because to to I, I think be it's I think it's very possible you know, Florida wins one more game at home. I mean they they were a colossal yeah. pain in Boston's ass last night. And and that's not going to change. So yeah, for the series to go six games, no matter who wins it is plus one forty five is another way, another way to bet there. And you know, the, for, for Florida to, to cover a two and a half game spread, that's still pretty, pretty, pretty on bettable odds right now, but for them to push it to seven or win or for the series, just to go to six games plus one forty five. So yeah, there's always other ways to bet. That's one of the beautiful things about, especially at Patano really, so many different ways to bet. Is it you know similar to if we shift over to the, the West here in the Winnipeg-Vegas series as an example, very similar to Tampa Bay and Toronto apps, it would make some sense to, to put a few bucks down on the Vegas Golden Knights, a very good team who, frankly, were dominated through much of game one by the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I mean, it's the exact same scenario, right? So Vegas at home, they were a series favorite by you know a decent margin. And now uh, after winning game one, Winnipeg becomes the favorite. So the odds are actually quite similar to the Tampa-Toronto series. Vegas is now plus 115 to win the series. Yeah. Well, we talked about it in our preview show. The Jets could be, you know, sneak up and, and take a bite out of them here. So, uh, but, you know, Vegas with a win, they're right back in it. You know, game seven would be there. So I think it's the same thing, right? I think if the Jets go up 2 nothing, there's a better chance of maybe Vegas coming back and winning mm-hmm. the series than if Tampa were to go up 2 nothing on Toronto. But... Yeah, I mean, it's much better to bet Vegas now down a game than it would be to to have had them before the series. Good deal. Well, things are heating up, obviously, as each series warms up heading into the weekend. So we'll have a lot more to chew on for Botano.ca on Tuesday when we reconvene. Thanks for joining us. Looking forward to it, fellas. Ray, stay hydrated out there. All right, time for Ask Rain Driggs Anything. And uh, each week we ask you to submit your questions. You can do it on our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, at Rain Driggs, or on the website, raindriggs.com. Each week we ask a question or we provide a question asker or a couple, sometimes three, with some real nice Rain Driggs merch. Man, we're getting a lot of publicity over the Rain Driggs merch. I like it, too. It looks yeah. good. Yeah. And I think you're traveling, but did you get the collection of hats ray and Drake's hats with a nice botano.ca logo just stylishly etched into the side compliments of chris abbott and our good pals at botano.ca and it's a beautiful hat it is it's coming to the golf course today all right but let's hit the instagram first from sean at morlock 509 what is the funniest chirp that you've heard between the benches right <laughs> it's been, probably there, a hard one to be specific to right well, it's yeah, all the time. yeah but it's less than it used to be it really okay. is uh, one that i've always remembered i thought it was excellent was back when steve ott was still playing there was a scrum in front of the toronto net and ott was skating back to the bench he was in the middle of the scrum and so the Toronto bench is to my left and Do- and Ott is skating in front of it. He says he stops kind of in front of the bench and he goes, 
don't worry, guys. I know you hate them. So I punched them in the face for you. And then he <laughs> skated by it. About eight guys started to laugh, right? Like it was just, <laughs> it was such a goofy thing to say and everybody laughed. So yeah. I just loved it. But as far as, I mean, there's, there's some stuff that used to be way more offside than yeah. it is now. Um, right. So yeah, that, that's just one I remember. <laughs> okay. All right. From Braden at Braden Caddy. Ray, who's the best leader that you've ever played for or with? Could be a coach, could be a player, says Braden. So, yeah. Well, I played for Al, played for Al Arbor. I, uh, you Hard know, to talk you know Al. yeah, Al was just, he just knew what the team needed at a specific moment. Yeah. And, and I, I thought that was, it was just remarkable when I went to play for him. And then after I played for other people, I just thought, wow, that is, that is really the way it's supposed to be done. It, as far as guy leaders, uh, you know, I played with, I, I, w- I would say two guys that did it very, very differently were Ron Francis and, and I played with Mark Messier for a short time in, in New York. So, you know, Mark was more intense and, uh, like when he said something, it felt like he was boring right into you. And, and Ron's a much quieter, more introspective guy, but he was a, he was a terrific captain. Mm. They were, they were both so very different, but I would say those would be the two, the two that stand out. Nice. And Braden's asking me about mentors that I've experienced in, in my side of the industry. And I mean, obviously Bob McKenzie, the pioneer of, of hockey insiders, right? Spent a lot of great years with Bob and another one, Scotty Morrison, right? Formerly of, sure. of Sportsnet and for many years, you know, the sports editor for the Toronto Sun. So couple of pioneers on my side of the business. All right. Here's a fun one, Ray. From nine-year-old Bennett Kochev. I hope I'm saying that right. So Bennett says, Ray, I found a Hartford Whalers card in my collection, and I thought I would write to you. I'm nine years old, not nearly old enough for Canadian Club whiskey, but I love listening to the podcast with my dad during our car rides. I've been playing hockey mm-hmm. since I was three, going to try out for the rep team this year. My question is, what is the craziest reason you or a teammate left the bench during a game? And, and Bennett, a nine-year-old, in parentheses, says, maybe a number two? Question mark. <laughs> 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 no, never had to do that. That Bennett, that's what that's what between periods are for. You know, outstanding. So, so no, I don't have that. <laughs> uh, let me see. Um, like, would it be fight related? Obviously, yeah. I mean, that's uh, what comes leaving to mind. leaving the bench. I don't recall leaving the bench. I will tell. I'm going to tell this story. I would, it was why I was late to the bench. Okay. For the start of a period. Um, We were in Nashville and before the third period, we're going out. I was always at the end with Russ Cortnell. And so (laughs) Rick Green is one of our assistant coaches with the Kings. And so as we're going out, you know, everybody's like, yeah, let's have a good period, good period. Let's let's play well. And so Cortnell with his stick, he flicks Rick Green, like, you know, like, let's go. And he hits him in the shins and it hurt yeah and so rick grabs him (laughs) and just kind of shoves him up against the wall we're all laughing right he shoves him up against the wall well russ hit the wall right between the boards oh no and he went right through the drywall 
And so now Russ Cortnell is halfway in the wall yeah. and halfway out of the wall. <laughs> and there's and there's drywall dust everywhere. So now we're laughing so hard. So Rusty get, you know, yank him out of the wall. And now like he's got drywall stuff all over his uniform. Oh, and so geez. we we couldn't even function. Well, we hear the puck hit the ice. Yeah. Now the period started and we're still in the locker room laughing and trying to knock the dust off his <laughs> so we go to the bench and Larry Robinson's coaching and he's like, Where the f are you guys? <laughs> I will tell you later. Went on. It was just awesome. Oh, that's so good. Uh, thanks, Bennett, for that question. Obviously, Bennett is Bennett getting some rain drinks. Yeah, yeah, he does so. Okay, wrap up uh, Ask Grand Drakes with this one. Calvin Chan. And Calvin is looking back at the Women's World Championship. Not the gold medal game, obviously, because that was dominated by the U.S. and Hillary Knight. So Calvin says, hey, guys, love the show. On the heels of the Canada-USA shootout thriller from the Women's Worlds, so this is a two-pirer for rain. Didn't play in the shootout era, but if you got the tap on the shoulder in a game today, what would be your go-to move? Um, I would not go out wide like the players do. I would yeah. go straight down the middle. Uh, to me, that opens up the whole net. Fake with a shot, low blocker. And if the goalie's deep, I'm going to shoot it, low blocker. If he's out challenging me, I'm going to sell it hard, go to my backhand. If his leg's open, I'm going through its legs. And if not, I'm going wider and going upstairs. That is way more precise than I was expecting. You have yep. clearly given this some serious thought. Well, also, and it was really my, that was my move on a breakaway. On a breakaway. So I had three options on every breakaway. <laughs> yeah. That was, that's just the way I processed it. Okay. Second part of Calvin's question. If Riley and Reese had their pick to represent one of their countries in international competition, would they be donning the Maple Leaf or the Stars and Stripes? Uh, they're Canadian. I mean, we live in Canada. They've, their yeah. whole life's been in Canada. And uh, I don't know, maybe one day in soccer they will. Yeah, maybe. You never they know. Might. <laughs> and I just never know. But yeah, I would say Canada's got the lead right now. All right. Okay. We've got to give away some hats. The compliments of, of Chris Abbott and Botano.ca. Bennett, we've already established, sure. is getting a hat. Who else did we talk about? We talked, well, the question we just, we answered two questions. Calvin, those are good questions. Yeah, I think Calvin sure. deserves a hat. I liked them. Yep. Uh, and else? you got a little detail breakaway move there. Yeah, that was a good one too. Funniest chirp conjured up a story. Um, best leaders from Braden. Well, how many? I don't know. Two, three, know. one. No, let's, you know what? Let's give four hats today. Those were all good questions. Yeah, sure. We're not going to do it every week. I'm in no, charge. this. You're in charge of this stuff. You know, it, yeah. it comes from your department. Okay. Four hats. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Botano.ca. All right. Where are you headed to next? You're in Boston. Where are you um, going now? Yeah, I'm in Boston. Yeah. I got two days off uh, before the game on Saturday and Drake's to our, for our visual today. Oh, you've got the foot joys, the new foot joys uh, from our and So desk. in my pack, wow. I, I have my red rooster glove. Okay. Yes. Yeah. They're very comfortable. I recommend. Yeah. yeah. And oh, another like a Titleist. Is it a Pro V1 or a Pro V1X? Uh, it's Pro V1. Yeah. And okay. I got these last year. The gentleman that uh, makes sure all the ice is scraped around the edges in Carolina. Mm -hmm. I go in there. I was there for a month because, you know, we did two rounds of Carolina. I get in there and there's a box of these Titleists. 
with the NC Wolfpack logo. Oh, how cool is that? And he goes, I know you like to play. And he goes, you know, here's here's our team that plays here. And so those will be getting a workout wow. today. Boston Golf Club with Sean McDonough. Yeah, one, nice. One, one 12 tee time, finish, for you. get back, dinner, games. What a day. Way we go. We'll wrap up here, but how, how finicky are you with the golf ball? Like, I, I'm not near a player you are, but yeah. I have a thing. I can't have a number higher than a four on my golf ball. Just because I don't, I don't like four means birdie on a par five or worst case, a par or worst case, a bogey on a par three. I like the number four on my Pro V1s or my Pro V1X. I don't care because it doesn't matter. I want it to be round and not have marks where I've rang it off a tree. So you're okay with an eight, like a oh, Pro sure. V1 eight? The one thing I did have one, one set made years ago with number 21, my yeah. hockey number. Yeah. The problem okay. was. You know, at the course I'm a member at is somebody would inevitably say, Ferraro, I got one of your golf balls. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and they'd be playing at 21. <laughs> yeah, of course. So I didn't want to do it anymore. Just in case they're finding them in odd spots. I you know, got it. Yeah. yeah so I, I found a Pro V1 two years ago and it had, what do they call the, the, you know, when you get them, you just said 21, but you can get like a saying or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, they're logoed said, out, and you. Yeah, yeah. It said "cokehead" on it. Cokehead. Like, I think I still have it in my bag because it's so ridiculous. I'm like, well, I'm never going to play it because I just I'm not going to play I, that. I'm going to tell a golf story here, um, okay. really quickly. I heard it yesterday. I think it's one of the most <laughs> awesome golf stories. Johnny Allers, who does the play-by-play for the Anaheim Ducks, he's done it yeah. for a long time. I see him at uh, before the game in Boston yesterday, and he said, been on a golf trip together. He says, oh, I got a hole-in-one, my second one. I said, awesome. He goes, let me tell you about it. I went to visit my dad, mm-hmm. and his dad's 90, and he can't play anymore. And so they were watching. His dad was, he went to the course, stopped at his dad's, he said, who lives on a golf course. And yeah. he said, he gave him a yellow titleist. And he said, no, somebody whacked it up in the yard, and Man, why don't you use this today? So John starts playing an hour later. Third hole, he hits the ball in the water. And so he goes into his bag. He sees the yellow golf ball. And he's like, oh, I'll just use this. So he plays the third hole, plays the fourth hole. On the sixth hole, he gets a hole in one. Oh, the golf ball his father gave him was 90 years old. I just wow. think that's such a touching. <laughs> I go, John, awesome. what a great memory that will be. That is just amazing. Oh. So. Congrats to Johnny, and I just I just think it's awesome. All right, buddy. Well, great story. Great way to finish the podcast, and uh, you hit them straight. Get a little bit of relaxation before you're back in the grind. Yep, back into Madison Square Garden on Saturday for the Devils yeah. Game 3, so it'll be fun. All right, huge shout-out to our partners who make this podcast possible each week, twice per week. Our title sponsor, good friends, Canadian Club Whiskey. Who ask are you over beer? Botano.ca. It is now available in Ontario. The game starts now, Botano says. And by Doer, use code RNDPants and you will save 15% off everything. Check them out at Doer.ca. Just a reminder, if you have interest in partnering with us here on the Rain Rich Podcast, you can email information at gogoatsports.com. That is another episode of the Rain Breaks Hockey Podcast. Until Tuesday, enjoy the playoffs, enjoy the weekend, and stay safe, everybody.